Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Would you like to come and see us do a live show? Ha 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 ha, of course. A live podcast for your delectation. And that's going to be Friday, September the 7th in London at King's Place near King's Cross, which is part of the London Podcast Festival. And we'll be on from 7pm. And we're going to be looking at the 1987 shoot annual in yeah. all its glory. I've had a good look. Well, I haven't had a good look. I've had I a good either. I've had a good skim. But by the time the live event takes place, we'll have a PowerPoint picking out some of our favourite bits to dissect and discuss with you, I mean, not too much from you. Keep your no. mouth shut mostly and just yeah. listen to us. Speak when you're sporting Because you'll learn. But we will give you some opportunity to interact with us. Um, and it will be good. And tickets are already selling quite well. Mm. So get in there now so, to avoid disappointment. What he just said, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it! This is Top Flight Time Machine, my name is Andy Dawson. My name's Sam Delaney. And today we're going to be looking at the 2001-2002 Premier League season. Are you ready? I think it was a Premiership still at that point, Sam. When did it change? I don't fucking know, it's on Wikipedia. Why do people give a shit anyway? Like, some people get the ump if you call it the Premiership still. Yeah, they do. Uh, oh, that's called Premier League. Changed they, years they, ago. They take to who, Twitter, don't they? Who fucking yeah. cares what it's called? We all know what we're on about. It's people who call it the EPL that get my piss. Oh, dickheads. Fucking cunts. So, 2001-2002, the sponsorship changed from Carling to Barclay Card, which for me personally meant I was drinking a lot less and just running up debt instead. Yeah. Because I'm well, that susceptible to sponsorship. The two things go hand in hand, though. They can do. They can do if you're a pool man, as I was. What I was drinking, back in my drinking days, I'd managed to acquire um, a Barclay card with a m- massive limit on it. Wow. And I spent a huge amount of Barclay card money mm-hmm. in the boozer. And did you pay it all off? Yeah, it's paid off now. That's good. Good to know. What I like to do is I, I, I'll accumulate it over a couple of years, mm. then I'll get some money, pay it off mm. sometimes in a lump, and then as soon as it's lump sum paid off, I'll give it six months, I'll think, oh, I've got a free few grand there. Yeah. I'll start, start digging into again. that again. I've still got a credit card that I haven't paid off, and there's about two grand on it. And you it, just... It, de- it depresses me. Oh, don't think about it. Sorry, I've got you thinking about it now. Just pretend it's not there. If any listeners want to contribute, just send me some money yeah. on PayPal and I'll get that paid off a bit quicker. Uh, at the start of this season, there was a lot of goings on in the transfer market because money was starting to flood into the Premier League, so mm. it was being spent. One notable uh, free transfer was Sol Campbell, mm. who went from Spurs across to Arsenal, and that was a deal which incited a lot of hatred well, towards Sol. Listen, it is generally speaking with players moving and all that kind of anger that people have you know not least West Ham fans which we'll get on to people get fans get very self-righteous and furious about players leaving yeah, and the circumstances that's for you. and I sort of think I'll oh, shut up you'd all do the same in your walk of life of course you would you know however 
you're on a free. You got the pick of any club, really, because Sol Campbell was one of the best <laughs> defenders in the entire world then, right? Yeah. Anyone would have had him. United mm-hmm. would have had him. Probably the fo- big foreign clubs would have fancied him. He could have gone anywhere. Yeah. And he could have earned the same money or more anywhere. Mm-hmm. And he chooses to go from Tottenham to Arsenal. Yeah. Right? There is something perverse about that, in my opinion. Perhaps. Why did he choose to do that? What had, what had Tottenham ever done? I mean, because they, lo- they loved him at Tottenham as well, by the way. So what did the fans or someone ever done there to think, yeah, fuck it, do you know what? I'm going to go just across the street to Arsenal, to our most bitter rivals. Could have gone to Manchester United. Perhaps he didn't want to move house, he thought of that. Fucking hell, a nice, a nice gaff. He was worried if he moved, he might end up next door to someone who's, who's like rides motorbikes around in their back garden. Or has got like some naughty memorabilia in the window, that sort of thing. Mm. You can never be sure, can well, you? Well, that's narrow minded of him. That's probably the way he thought life was like outside of North well, London. Perhaps that's, that's Go out and see the wider world, soul. Well, I'm not going to judge him on it. He wants he... to be a politician now, of course. In fact, I think he might run for London Mayor. <laughs> I think he fancies it. I'm not joking. I know. I love Saul Campbell. He's, he's, very, um, he's a wide eyed optimist, isn't he? Yeah, but back then... He's not lacking in self-belief at all. I think something's weird about why... I just think that was weird that he went to Arsenal. It was fucking odd. Well, Spurs fans could have been consoled by the fact that Arsenal also that summer uh, signed Francis Jeffers from Everton for about Mm. nine million quid, which is one one of the best names to say in a Scouse accent. Francis Jeffers! Franny Jeffers! Francis Francis Jeffers! It's just peak Francis Jeffers. Francis Jeffers. <laughs> um, you it, sound like that cop in Police Academy 2. You know, he wasn't a cop. He became he a, a cop. Scouser. But he was the baddie. <laughs> Why don't I like that? <laughs> you know, the dude from Police Academy. He was a baddie. He was like a punk, street punk oh, baddie. Yeah. Leader of a gang. Yeah. And then in subsequent films, I don't, I can't remember the circumstances surrounding it, but mm. he did end up joining the police force. Are you force. saying my Scouse accent's a load of shit? Sounds like him. Francis Jeffers. Yeah, you know the bloke I'm talking mm. about, right? I'm not taking it as a compliment. No. Frank Lampard signed for Chelsea from your West Ham. Yeah, well, the circumstances surrounding that were that his dad and uncle had been unceremoniously booted <laughs> out. <laughs> the club. And Lamp- Frank Lampard Jr. was fucking furious about it. Right. And he said, fuck this, I'm going too. Okay. And he never made it up with West Ham fans because... He was really outspoken about how disgruntled he was. Family, yeah, he's all about family. Also, he felt that he'd been given unfair shit from West Ham, which actually he had been by not all of us, by a minority who were always, it's always suspicious a minority, of him. Isn't it? Vocal minority, yeah, yeah, mindless minority. Yeah. I call them mindless minority bastards. And uh, they, don't they understand about family? They didn't. They didn't. It's the West Ham family. That's, if anything, more important than your actual family. It's the fucking West Ham way, isn't it? Family! So he went and we never made it up, but we thought that for 11 million we had absolutely taken them to the cleaners because he did not look like an 11 million pound player at that time in that market. And he made it, he was driven by a desire to prove people wrong about himself. Mm. And it's sort of quite an admirable quality because he 
got better and better and fitter and he taught himself to be a world-class footballer. Everything that he did in his career was a massive fuck you to Terence Brown, the West Ham chairman. And some West Ham fans everywhere. <laughs> West Ham fans everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I do yeah. think that's there's a lot of truth in that. And yeah, so, you know, really, um, Chelsea fans should be thanking us. <laughs> <laughs> and have West Ham fans learned anything from this? No, not not a thing. nothing. Not a thing. Uh, Manchester United signed Ruud van Nistelrooy after waiting a year because he'd done his cruciate the year before that. And they also signed Juan Sebastian Verón. Juan Sebastian Verón! Juan Sebastian Verón! Juan and he was 28 million, I think, or 24 million, something like that. Massive. Big money. Still, that would be massive now. Yeah. And he was dog shit. Um, Alex Ferguson announced his intention to retire at the end of the season for the first time. Yeah. And Steve McLaren had just left to manage Middlesbrough. More of that later on. Well, West Ham wanted McLaren and he was close to signing really? for us. He very close to being our manager. Yeah. And he pulled out the 11th hour when he was approached by Middlesbrough because Middlesbrough were just considered a, a better, bigger club at the time. <laughs> Jesus. And, uh, and so he went and... Uh, he went there and we got Pigeon Face Roder instead. Fair enough. Derby County um, wanted to, to bolster their attack for this coming season. So they signed Fabrizio Ravanelli and Benito Carboni. Two men that you definitely want in a relegation battle there who are going to roll their sleeves up yeah, and, and just get dig stuck in, in and get stuck in. And, you know, when you're playing away at Ipswich on a wet February night on a Tuesday. Who, da- who was Derby's manager then? Jim Smith. Jim Smith? The bald eagle. Oh, I met Jim Smith once. And any, anything you'd like to well, say? Well, there's that? something that he said. Oh, yeah. That I can't repeat on air. <laughs> In general conversation, he used a term oh. that has long since been oh. outlawed. Oh. In all civilised society. Oh. And it was awkward because I was sat there with him and Harry Redknapp because I had been uh, sent by a magazine to start to, to open... No, to start... Uh, ghost written column for Harry Redknapp. So I went down to Portsmouth's training ground and... Um, watch them train and then Harry went come and have a little bit of lunch with us and so I went into the canteen and I sat with him and Jim Smith and Jim Smith asked and Harry went to Jim Smith hey, Sam's a West Ham fan <laughs> and, it, and Jim Smith alright did you go to uh, the friendly at weekend and I went yeah because we had played Anderlecht in a friendly it was just right. summer and I went yeah and Jim Smith started asking me my I was quite a young man <laughs> And Jim Smith started asking me really detailed questions about some of the Andalek players who they'd been scouting. <laughs> anyway, that was all very well. But then he casually threw in a, a word, an awful an word, epithet. into conversation <laughs> when describing one of the players. Yeah. And no one batting an eyelid, apart from Redknapp, who's a shrewd media operator, yeah. looked at Jim, then looked at me, then looked back at Jim <laughs> and just sort of like started speaking very quickly over Jim and kind of ushering him out of the conversation because he'd realised that oh, he can't say things like this. He's a lad from London. He's one of these He's ponces. In the media. He's one of these media ponces from up London. You can't talk normally in front of him. He can't be on a six o'clock news. You keep talking like that. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit like that. So that was Derby. Um, Fulham had just been promoted. They spent £34 million in the summer on players that included Steve Marley, Steve Malbronk, Edwin van der Sar. Um, Mohamed Al-Fayed said that they were good enough to win the league. Oh, fucking Because that's hell. the kind of thing he would say because he's a fucking clown. Mm. Um, over at Spurs, they replaced Saul Campbell and Glenn Hoddle brought in the likes of Gustavo Poyet, mm. uh, Teddy Sheringham, Casey Keller. 
Christian Zieger, Dean Richards, quite a decent crop. You think they Dean right Richards there? was a big signing for about ten million from Southampton, which is where Sorry. Hoddle had come from. Yep, and he just never looked the same player at Spurs. He, and then he, I think, he ultimately got injured and something to do with the weather. Yeah, I think. didn't like it in London. This, this is it. it. Start of the season, Bolton had been promoted as well under Sam Allardyce. They were top after three matches. They won the first three games, and Sam Allardyce also said they were good enough to win the league. One of the first things that he'd said that turned out to be absolute shite. Everyone was bloody saying it. Um, Arsenal 4, Leicester 0 in August as Peter Taylor's reign at Leicester began to unravel a little bit like his his face. Mate, just sorry to interrupt, but something just popped into my head and I had to double check, but Dean Richards is dead. He is, yeah. You knew that. Why didn't you want to say it? You could have said it to remind me in case I'd said something mean about him, That's which what I, I didn't do. For. Yeah, and then you're going to say, "Well, he's dead, you heartless bastard." Yeah, it was a power you laid player. a trap for me. It was a power play, fucking power play. And you almost fell for it. You well, couldn't. I didn't because look, now I know he's <clears> dead, <throat> and I didn't say anything bad about him. So anyway, where were we? <laughs> <laughs> Manchester United again. Um, Fergie was obviously about to retire apparently so he just lost his mind he sold Yap Stam to Lazio and it was at the time it was said that it was based on stuff that Stam had written in his autobiography uh, where he claimed that Fergie had tapped him up before signing him which isn't a good thing to say in a book really about your manager no and uh, he also revealed that the the Neville brothers were whingers Uh, which you can well believe that's a surprise no neither of those things really surprise anyone it's just uh, you got to choose when to say these things in print yeah 10 years later perhaps yeah Uh, into September we had September the 11th that year which was you know oh 9-11 happened 9-11 you know an interesting thing about 9-11 what I predicted it did you? Yep. And you should ask my wife, because I've been going on... I'd read a book uh, called The New Jackals, mm-hmm. which was all about the Al-Qaeda, but like no one had heard of Al-Qaeda, really. It wasn't yeah. reported much in the news. But I think the journalist Jason Burt, I think it was him, had written this, right? And it was it was a compelling read. I, yeah. I, I, and it was fucking amazing, and it was terrifying, because it turned out that this stuff that just wasn't being covered in the mainstream media... There was a whole fucking organisation out there, a network of organisations, devoting millions and millions of pounds and loads of energy into basically forming a secret army to bring down Western civilization. Right. And I kept going on about it to my missus. I was reading yeah. in bed night. She was going, shut up about that. And I was going, oh, they've fucking gotten... <laughs> I think they've got depleted uranium and all of this, that, and the other. And then they said in the book... They're going to do something spectacular. That's their big plan, is they'll do something really... And you really... specifically predicted the Twin wait, Towers. Wait, wait. I know you're going to poo-poo what I say, but you're going to have to listen to it anyway. Okay. Then I had a fucking dream that I was walking along the street and a fucking pl- I saw a plane fly into a building. Yeah. And I've gone to my missus, I've had this fucking dream about a plane flying into a building. I reckon that's what Al-Qaeda will probably do. At the time, do. did you call it a dream or a premonition? I didn't did call it a pre- it? I didn't call it a premonition. I'll be honest. I won't Hedged go as far as say, I knew this was going to happen. But what I had said was, I told everyone it was only a matter of time before Bin Laden struck against the West. <laughs> and I'd also had a dream about a plane flying in to the twi- to a building. I didn't necessarily look them up, but I did say to my missus, that's the sort of shit I've been talking about that this Bin Laden wants to do, right? Yeah. The day it happens, 
I'm on my way back to my flat that I lived in at the time. I, I walk past the pub. Everyone's gathered around the telly. I stick my head in. I go, what's happening? They go, someone's flown a jet into the Twin Towers in New York. I go home. And you just went, fucking told you. I go home. I call my wife at work. She answers the phone. I just go, it's me. Told you. <laughs> told you. She went, told me what? I just put the phone down. I thought, let her work it out for herself. <laughs> Uh, predicted 9-11 mate and she will even admit that and you know if you know my wife you'll know that she would never admit anything that makes me look in any way good Mm. but she will admit that that's the one thing yeah is there anything else you'd like to predict here now that you think will happen on the political landscape Mm. in the coming years I think I'm giving you a platform here okay let me think very carefully quickly I've got a train to catch prediction I think Jacob Rees-Mogg is a cat fucker, <laughs> and that will come out in due time. Right, specifically cats. I've had a dream about it and read a book. Domestic, domestic cats, <laughs> domestic or, cats, or jungle animals. No, he's going. Drugged, they're not big cats. Animals. Not big cats. If they're drugged, he's using his riches mm-hmm. to have poachers capture big cats Jaguars, in the African lynxes. plains. Drug, shoot them with tranquilizer darts, bring them into a secure facility. Over in crates. Yeah. yeah. And in in, Engl- in the English countryside. Yeah. And he enters them. He enters the facility and then he enters uh, then he the, enters big the, the, the big cat while it sleeps. Yeah. Films it. Yeah. Then when the big cat wakes up, forces them using eye clamps like the ones used in, in Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Forces them to watch back a video what of what's happened to them while they're sleeping. The shameful activity they've been involved <laughs> yeah. in. And then just lets them back into the wild and they just have to mope about Africa knowing. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. You, you heard it here first, mm. listeners. This, this is, is it! Back to 2001-2002, uh, Charlton 2, Leicester nil, and uh, An early spectacular appearance from referee Mike Dean who still haunts the Premier League to this day. Um, <laughs> Charlton Steve Brown was sent off by Mike Dean while being stretched off with a suspected broken ankle, which is pretty spectacular even by Dean's standards. What a bastard. <laughs> Brown had pulled up in pain. I think he caught his, his boot in the, the turf or something yeah, like that. Always a nasty so injury, pull, that. He, he pulled up in pain um, and raised his hand up in, in sort of... a. a, a a reaction to the agony and the ball hit him on the arm while his mm. arm was in the air Dean gave a free kick and it was regarded as a deliberate handball mm. uh, the Leicester players led by Robbie Savage oh. gathered round calling for a red card there was a five minute period of treatment and Steve Brown was eventually stretched away at which point Dean produced the red card and set him off. What an absolute bastard. What an ugly <laughs> incident all round. Uh, yeah, no one comes out of that looking good, do they? No. Um, and the Charlton fans protested by throwing hundreds of promotional catalogues they'd been handed out before the match onto the pitch. Charlton fans are good at this. They're good at chucking stuff on the pitch. Really? They did that in 2001, promotional catalogues. A couple of years ago, they got together with Coventry fans who were also disgruntled and they did a joint protest when they played each other and they all threw plastic toy pigs onto the pitch. <laughs> Why? Because they just hated their owners. They the thought course. the owners were pigs. I think they thought they were pigs. Mm. And then Saturday gone, Charlton again, one minute into the match, they've all thrown packets of crisps on the pitch. Oh, that's a fucking travesty. That's, sh- that's shite because... 
crisps don't travel very far. You can't get much purchase on a packet of crisps. Absolutely not. I think not compared that's to a, a toy pig, a big mistake, and it's a waste of crisps. It is. It's tragic. Never waste crisps, especially when there's food banks and things like that yeah. around. Um, and just after that match, Peter Taylor got the sack. Of course he did. Or whoever it was that was wearing his face at the time yeah. was dismissed. Which remains a mystery. Someone on Twitter said that it's Alan Ball. Alan Ball didn't have any other jobs after about 2000, about the time when Taylor took over at Leicester. So that's when he cut off Taylor's face. We think Alan Ball cut off Peter Taylor's face. But the thing is, Alan Ball is a lot smaller and more squat than Peter Taylor he was but this is about the time when Sven Goran Eriksson came into English football and mm. he used to wear lifts in his shoes so Aha. perhaps he got together with Alan Ball and said you know this is how you can make yourself look taller Alan if you yeah, he would have said I use them for attracting Six Fanny purposes. for me it's all about attracting Fanny because uh, for me it's all about attracting Fanny <laughs> but but is, for you is Alan. For, for you it might be that you want to masquerade as Peter Taylor. I don't know. Or another manager that's taller than you. I don't know what you're into. I'm <laughs> but I'm Swedish and anything goes. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> for Swedes, everything's driven by Fanny. Yeah. But for a man like yourself, uh it might be more like career prospects. I mean, you're a good three inches shorter than me, Alan, so it could be, I don't know, short man syndrome you've got going on, I don't know, but each to their own, but lifts, lifts in the shoes. And I can I can recommend someone who's great if you do want to buy a job lot. <laughs> Todd Grip. <laughs> Super Grip. Super Grip. <laughs> this is it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is it! Into October, uh, Leeds were top of the league with 17 points from 17, sorry, from seven matches. Oh, oh. we're top of the league. Now, how did that happen? Just a little bunch of just wee scamps and we've somehow managed to get ourselves up to the top of the league. Oh, yeah. it's nice for them, but we feel a wee bit embarrassed because we're not even here to win. We're here just to have a lovely day out. I, I think it's just because the season's just started and everyone's fresh and full of energy, full of beans. They come back from the summer holidays, so they did. Oh, so excited they were. They had lovely tans and they had oh, so many stories so to many tell. So many tales to tell. About the water lands. parks they'd been on and all the rest of it. And they came back and they were feeling full of, full of it they little, were. Little Lee boy, he'd been to Disney World in Florida. Oh. Had a lovely time. Three weeks he spent there because his parents have got a few bob. 
and they got the fast track tickets so they did oh, so he didn't have to do any queuing in the sun oh, he went on Thunder Mountain time. eight times and he said it was so fast that at the top he spat and the next time round it hit him in the face <laughs> in his wee face that's how fast Thunder Mountain is and I think that's what's that's what's behind our lovely start to the season but we'll just keep going and we'll see where it leads us uh, Gerald Houllier was rushed to hospital during the Leeds match and had emergency heart surgery. Um, Phil Thompson took over for... almost said Phil Taylor there, but he's a darts bastard. Phil Thompson took over for almost the rest of the Did, season. Which club has had the most managers suffer from heart complaints because it's it's so common I forgot about Julier Souness definitely did when he was there Souness at Liverpool yeah at Liverpool Julier at Liverpool yeah Benitez I think Benitez has had heart problems has he? I think let me just quickly google this <laughs> while you're googling that I'll just add that uh, Dave Bassett took over at Leicester because they were you know they were clearly in a relegation battle so what do you want you want Dave Bassett yeah um, Jim Smith Oh. Sacked at Derby. Oh. Um, before Ravenelli and Carboni really got a chance to get going. This was in October. And he was replaced by Colin Todd. Uh, <laughs> but Leeds didn't really sign anybody. Have you got anywhere with Rafa Benitez? Yeah, he, he had a heart attack. I'm just trying to find out where. Where he was. Having a heart attack has put football and Newcastle into perspective. When lying in bed with pains in the chest that go into... Oh, no, this is some blogger called Jinky Jim. <laughs> he Jinky had a, Jim heart had a heart attack. Didn't Jinky he? Jim had a heart attack. J- Jinky Jim, hope you're feeling better. Compares himself to Benitez as the is the rougher Benitez of blogging, is he? Yeah. Okay, good luck with that. Um Leeds hadn't signed anybody really in the summer. And uh but you know they needed to they needed one more baby for oh. the kindergarten. So oh, we're, go- no. we're going we're going to go to Derby and we're going to we're going to see if little Seth Johnson wants to come across and join our little squad. Seth Johnson. Now, do you remember the story about Seth Johnson's contract negotiations? No. This is it's 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 mythical apparently, but I choose to believe that it's true. Um, and it it's indicates how mad everything had got with Peter Ridsdale and Leeds and all the money that they spent. Um, Seth Johnson had been earning five thousand pounds a week at Derby, and his agent told him before the negotiations that he wouldn't settle for anything less than thirteen thousand pounds a week at Leeds. So a nice big bump for Seth Johnson mm. there. When the agent sat down with Peter Ridsdale, Ridsdale's opening gambit was, right, I'm sorry, but I can only offer you 30000 a week. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently around the table, uh, everyone draw, everyone's jaws just dropped in shock at this extra 17000 that they weren't expecting. <laughs> Ridsdale didn't mess about and he countered that with right okay no problem 37,000 a week that's as high as I can go (laughs) fuck me everyone involved in that tale says it's a myth I'm choosing to believe that it's true because it's still it's still around seventy. Well, years it makes later. sense, doesn't it? Because Risdale was spending, like you know, it just fits in with the narrative. Risdale well, uh, was just was spending, driving them into the ground. He was spending a grand a week on a fish tank for his office. Or yeah, something like it was that, madness. It? So that was Leeds. Um, poor Southampton. They'd moved into St Mary's, the new stadium, and uh, Stuart Gray was inexplicably in charge. Mm. He'd taken over when Hoddle left, and he had a decent start. It was that caretaker bounce thing where you yeah. know he got like three or four decent results. So, so he, they he accidentally the gave him the job. They gave him the job by mistake, basically. Anyone in their right mind could have said to them, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you giving it to Stuart Gray? Yeah. He's not going to be any good. But they gave him it, and he lasted about five months, I think it was. Uh, he was replaced by Gordon Strachan. 
Oh. Little Gordon Strachan there. I think, think Gordon Strachan did quite well. At, at Southampton? Sa- at Southampton. That's what I'm going to say. Well, um, <laughs> well, this season he probably did because they stayed up. Spoiler alert. Um, we go into November and Leeds get the money the money purse out again and spend £11 million on Robbie Fowler from Liverpool. Wow. Fowler, of course, had been usurped by Michael Owen by this point and mm. Gerard Hooley had brought in all kinds of players. They had Heskey, they had Lippmanen, yeah. Owen, um, Patrick Berger was Cal still Hines there. Riedler, or was that a few that years before? might have been before, I think. I'm not sure. But um, Fowler was kind of on the periphery a little bit, so he went to Leeds. I don't know whether Leeds could have got him for £7 million if they tried a bit harder. Yeah. But they paid £11 million for him. And the, um, the Leeds trial ended after 10 weeks. Lee Boyer was cleared and Jonathan Woodgate was found guilty of a free. Yeah. So that obviously had, had dogged Leeds, but they'd still done really well. They were they flying. They'd been top of the table after seven games. It went into December. They were still just four points off the top. Um, and Newcastle were top going into Christmas with Bobby Robson in charge. 18 matches played, 36 points. Arsenal and Liverpool on 33, Leeds on 32. Manchester United with the soon-to-be-departing Alex Ferguson on 30 points. And Liverpool replaced Robbie Fowler quite quickly by bringing in Nicholas Anelka. Oh, blimey, I forgot he ended up there. They just got him on loan from PSG. Yeah. But, um, it's an upgrade, that, isn't it? I think Nicholas Anelka in 2001. Yeah, I mean, at that stage, Anelka was just wherever he went, and he seemed to change clubs incessantly. Mm. But it was always a good signing, whoever you were, because wherever he landed, he would immediately start scoring goals. And, and Whereas Fowler looked to have got a little bit bloated and disinterested. Fowler was basically a performance artist by that point, because yeah. he was waving his arse at Graham Lassau or sniffing the yeah. the touchline. And, and he'd also begun in earnest, I think, to develop his property portfolio, which yeah. of course is world famous now. Definitely. He does seminars, doesn't he? He does. We should go along. We should one, go to one. Yeah. yeah, we could live cast from yeah, it. Yeah, we'll definitely do that special episode. Yeah, he was he was a performance artist. He was, if anything, he might have been the original YouTube prankster. I think <laughs> yeah. back then. Yeah, he's the KSI of his time. He was the lolmeister mm. of uh, of the world. In the December, Ipswich, who was second from bottom, beat tenth place Sunderland by five goals to nil. And I think that was the beginning of the end for Sunderland, that result. Um, because Ipswich were dog shit. Yeah. But they still just absolutely spanked us that afternoon. Weirdly, you've shared at least two managers I can think of. McCarthy and Keane. We have. Yeah, and we had both of them first and then passed them on to Ipswich afterwards. Yeah, and you've both... Sloppy seconds. Yeah. Did you like Roy Keane's manager? I asked that because I've been reading his book at the moment and I'm on the bit where he is the manager of Sunderland. I fucking loved Roy Keane as a yeah, Sunderland manager. I was thinking he probably it was did. Great. It didn't end well. It ended with pretty much the entire squad despising him. Yeah, but when he started, he said he was just himself. Yeah. He said, I just walked in and it kind of came out of the blue and they only, Niall Quinn only wanted, sort of wanted me as a boost. They knew that I wasn't the most experienced coach out there, but they thought it would be a good boost. He went, I went in, so I just sort of like took each day as it came and was just relaxed with the players. Yeah. And I haven't got to the bit yet where he goes insane, yeah. but he hints that he's that he went insane <laughs> but he's it's a great book Roy Keane's but he's done two and he's very honest about himself yeah. he goes obviously he sort of more or less says things were going really well 
But obviously, I am insane and always have the capacity <laughs> to do something fucking bananas <laughs> at any point. But luckily, I was keeping a lid on that for the time being. So yeah. I can't wait for him to go mad in it. Well, in that season as well, 2001-2002, at Newcastle, he was sent off uh, because... I was watching the clip earlier on. Uh, he was trying to throw in, but Alan Shearer hadn't moved back. Yeah. The requisite five yards, whatever it is. Uh, so Keane threw the ball off the back of Shearer's head. <laughs> yeah. she- Shearer turned round, uh, shoved Keane, and then Keane just swung an air punch at Shearer. Wow. Shearer, Shearer ducked back away from straight red card. Be a great fight, wouldn't it? It would be brilliant, that, wouldn't it? Yeah. He said he sort of held Keane that. Keane would batter him. He probably would. I mean, yeah. I, I imagine Shearer's quite tough. I would imagine he's tasty, yeah. But Keane is a form boxer and he's just got a mentality, mm. hasn't he? It's a force of nature. Yeah. This, this is it! it. Into December, and uh, Andy Cole left Manchester United. How the mighty have fallen. A couple of years earlier, he'd won the Champions League, and then he ended up signing for Blackburn for yeah. £7 million. Yeah. Because uh, he'd been used by Ruud van Nistelrooy. But, you know, fair enough. And then in January, it looked as if Van Nistelrooy was going to be joined by... Do you remember this? Paolo Di Canio. I do remember that very well. Mm. I, I remember a really weird feeling about that, which was, at the time, such was the stature of Manchester United. And this will sound... This People might slaughter me for saying this, but... I loved Di Canio. He was, you know, yeah. one of my all-time favourite players. Love him as... But he was an incredible player to have at your club. But... Such was the stature of United and Alex Ferguson at that time. United coming in for one of your players felt a little bit similar to when they got called up by an international side. Yeah. So it was sort of flattery. I didn't want him to go. Yeah. But I was excited at the idea that Ferguson wanted to get Decanio into his team because I thought, what an amazing compliment to Decanio. It's De a bit like one of the West kids Ham. at your school getting a Roland Grinch Hill. That's it. Yeah. That's exactly it. So he he kind of um, he did a farewell, didn't he? The Canio he did a farewell to the to the fans. Yeah. And then Dwight York decided he didn't want to go to Middlesbrough, as was going to be part of the chain of events. And uh, De Canio ended up staying at West Ham, sort of with egg on his face a little bit after doing his grand farewell. A little bit, but it, you know we forgave him it because I think he was held in such high regard and there was such affection for him that most fans would have been, we wouldn't have gone on about family. It would have been a rare occasion of West Ham fans not becoming <laughs> extremely self-righteous. <laughs> and we would have said, good luck to the lad. Because you would have thought, fair enough, mate, you've given us years of service, now you're off to play for United. But as it happened, he stuck around. It wasn't like he then sulked. He continued to play well for us for another few seasons, so fair enough. Actually, I say another few seasons. I think he only played one more season, because I think the following season after this, spoiler alert, we get relegated, and then he fucks off to Charlton. But whatever, he can do do what he wants, to be honest. Charlton, Jesus. Jalapeño. (laughs) Meanwhile, back at Leeds, (laughs) David O'Leary has... He's he's written himself a little storybook for all the Leeds United fans. And that was a lovely little tale called Leeds United on Trial. And he brought that out and it was all about the court case and Mm. all about the season that Leeds United had had and the story of the babies and the serum and all of that kind of thing. That is fucking mad. Can you imagine a Premier League manager bringing a book out now in the middle of a season about what's been going on? Absolutely. I mean, he blew it, really. Didn't he? He he was Icarus. He flew too close to the sun. He did, he did, and he got carried away. Um, He got... 
it could be said he got slightly carried away with the whole. A little bit carried away. <laughs> some some managers do get carried away. The best, the best, you know, it's like the way that Alan Pardew, yeah, the self-styled bounce master of British football, yeah, he like um when he got West Ham to the FA Cup final, he was so excited. I think we finished about. I can't remember like 10th that yeah. season it was our first season back in the Prem and got us to the cup final and and Sven had announced that he'd be retiring as England manager quitting mm. as England manager and there was a bit of speculation flying around and Alan Pardew turned up to a press conference about West Ham getting into the cup final right? and all the press were there and apparently he's given it before we start lads um I won't be taking any questions about the England job. It's really too early and I am focused just on West Ham. And besides, you know, yes, of course I'd be interested, but another man is in that job still and out of respect for Sven, I think we should just not... And everyone's looking at each other thinking, what are you talking about? No one's linking you with the England job at all. You just got West Ham. And then he got us to a cup final. We lost and he rewarded himself this again is what I've heard by turning up to pre-season training in a Ferrari that he brought himself as a reward for getting to the cup final and losing because he had just his head had just inflated so immensely from us having a good go in a cup yeah. final yeah. well it went extra time didn't it yeah Oh, well, so we should have won it. I mean, let's not get in. Let's, yeah, not, let's, no. let's not. It's the Sorry, FA Cup. Yeah. We're not allowed to talk about the FA Cup. And also, it's five years abroad. ahead of where we are. It so. is, yeah. But, um, yeah, O'Leary brought a book out. And this book came out about six weeks after the end of the court case. So he'd been diarising everything while managing the football club. So, mm. I mean, you know, you need to have a hobby. You need to have some kind of release. So perhaps he'd been just like no, jotting down his notes and his thoughts and his feelings at the night, every night after the babies had all gone to sleep. And he brought it out as a little book. He was scribbling away, so he was. <laughs> but yeah, that just seems fucking mental now. Uh, back at Derby, things went back to worse. Colin Todd left after just 17 matches. I can't even... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know who took over, but um, just down the road, John Gregory finally quit Aston Villa after falling out with Doug Ellis one time too many. Uh, he quit saying that he needed a break. And that break lasted about a week because then he pitched up with Derby and took ah, the job yeah. there. I don't think Doug Ellis was too happy about that. No. And then by the end of the season, neither were the Derby fans. This, this is it. it! Manchester United signed Diego Forlan. Wow. Who was, if you remember, pretty useless after they got him. Good player who just was useless during his time uh, at, at his United. Time at United. Exactly. And they they kind of hijacked that deal because Steve McLaren was about to sign him for Middlesbrough. Uh. And I think that was a spite signing by, by Ferguson. Fergie against McLaren, yeah. Because yeah. McLaren had already beaten uh, United earlier in the season at Middlesbrough. Yeah. Um, he was a bit worried that he was going to be, you know, taken over. So uh, Forlan was on his way to Middlesbrough. Fergie got in and just signed him out of spite. Yeah, didn't really need him. Didn't need him. But he didn't want McLaren to have him. No. It's like, you know, copping off with a girl because his mate was going to get off with her. And he oh, didn't want that friendship to be broken up. It's a gay thing, basically. It's a gay thing. Yeah. February. A power play. A power play. Yeah. February. Abel Xavier moved from Everton to Liverpool. One of those few players to make the move across the daisy. From um, Everton to across Stanley Park. Hey, Dibby, what are you doing? Apple Xavier, what's you doing, Apple? You play for the Blues, not the Reds. <laughs> but um, 
I only mention it because he looked a bit like Poseidon. I can't think of any other Premier League player that's looked more like Poseidon than Abel Xavier. You ever seen him with a trident? I haven't, but I bet one he's big, got one. Got one at home. I bet he's got one. Xavier and perhaps Gibral Cece looked a bit like Poseidon as well. I yeah. can't think of any others though. Javier had a sort of a mohawk, didn't he? Like a kind of a mohawk like arrangement. Was it, it want, no, was it, like, was it kind of like squared off? Squared off. Yeah. He looked like one of Funk. He looked like someone who would have collaborated with George Clinton. Yeah. Um, whether that was in Parliament or Funkadelic, I'm not sure which would be more appropriate for Javier. That's probably for another podcast. Yeah. Jalapeno. Uh, so Aston Villa, the hot seat was filled by Graham Taylor, who went back for another crack at that job and another crack at Doug Ellis. And then Alex Ferguson decided not to retire after all. <laughs> I think he thought that um, Steve McLaren might take the job. So. <laughs> Fuck yeah. No, in fact, what it was, was that the, it got leaked that um, Sven had been in negotiation oh, really? with United to take over. Right. And that was prior to the World Cup right. uh, in German... No, in Japan. Yeah. And uh, so he, uh, I've read Sven's uh, memoir not that long ago, which is so tedious, but he was continually being caught out, obviously on Chasing the Fanny. Yeah, yeah. But also he was continually getting found out for being in negotiations with clubs about jobs. I think I'll have a word with me, mate, Alan Ball. Yeah. He's a Manchester lad. He'll know. He know what it's all about up there. I'll give him a call. What's the funny situation yeah. in Salford like these days? <laughs> Alan, can you hear me? It's Sven. Sven Goran Eriksson's son, the one who sorted you out of them lifts. Now listen, what's the funny landscape like in Manchester? Because I can tell you, down here, round the FA... Lancaster Gateway, it is like the fucking Sahara Desert right now. <laughs> I thought, change the scenery, come up there, see what it's all about, dip me wick a little bit, and maybe go down to Chelsea in a year or two. Oh, quality funny round Chelsea way up and down the King's Road. Don't oh, mind if I fucking do. Hell. Got to go around with sunglasses on so I can just stare at them all. <laughs> this, this is it. it! Onwards into the rest of the season. We're getting to the business end now. Dennis Burkham scored that goal at Newcastle. You remember that one where he brought it down and flipped it past? I think it was yeah. Dabazas and then scored. There are some football hipsters on Twitter who continue to say that he didn't mean that. And I would just like to say to all of them here and now, fuck you, yeah, hipsters. Fuck off. Get fucked. Anyway, what do you fucking care whether he meant it or not? What's it matter to it. you? I don't care what's going on in any mind. of their fucking brains. Fuck's sake. Well, we now, it's not enough to look at what they did with their body in the ball. We now have to look inside what they were fucking thinking at the time. Couldn't give two fucks. Fuck that. Uh, Walter Smith got sacked at Everton. Quite a managerial merry-go-round this mm. season. Uh, it would be safe to assume that Howard Kendall just came back again. <laughs> but in fact, he didn't. It was David Moyes who turned up a very fresh-faced... Wow. Very smooth-skinned David mm. Moyes turned up, and uh, we'll hear a lot more about him over the coming episodes. There was a three-horse race for the title, because we're almost at the end. Um, Arsenal, Liverpool and Manchester United. Gerard Houllier returned to the Liverpool hot seat with his new heart and everything, and hoped to get them across the line to win the league, but it wasn't to be. And um, the league was won by Arsenal. Mm-hmm. And they'd won their last 13 league matches. It was amazing. Incredible run. But they won it at Manchester United. They'd won the FA Cup four days earlier because the FA Cup was played before the end of the Premier League season 
for fuck knows why legal reasons let's say right. something to do with Cardiff I don't know and um, Arsenal won that 1-0 at Manchester United and did the double as Wenger's second double I don't remember that cup final Arsenal beat Liverpool 1-0 no they beat Manchester United 1-0 oh they beat Man United 1-0 no nah. I don't even remember who Arsenal played in that cup final I'm going to say Chelsea so Arsenal finished the season on 87 7 points ahead of Liverpool and then Manchester United on uh, 77 Newcastle on 71 and poor Leeds ended up on just 66 points oh no because just when David O'Leary's book came out they lost at Cardiff in the cup and then the whole season went to shit it imploded so it's it almost as if the two things was linked oh, so poor no. David O'Leary and I'm sad to say he lost his job in June and the babies didn't have anybody to look after them for a little while. They just had some caretaker looking after things, giving them their bottles and that. Like a supply teacher. Like a supply teacher. I hope they behaved themselves. Well, I hope that that supply teacher had had all the checks that you're supposed to have about your background if you're working with young people. I so. don't think it mattered because they were doing the stuff with the serum, if you remember. Oh, yeah. I, think, I think that was uh, above and beyond any kind of... Uh, CRB check that they do. Um, <laughs> who, did, who, who ended up doing that? I know Peter Reid, but that was a while afterwards, it wasn't was it? It was Terry Venables. Oh, <laughs> Terry Venables took off David O'Leary. And in the last episode, we were just saying how he couldn't be in Middlesbrough because he was too far away from his yeah, business but he was interests. Right for Leeds, though, and uh, Leeds is that bit closer to my business interests and There's media more, obligations. There's more fanny in Leeds than there is in Middlesbrough <laughs> as well. I've asked my mate Sven Gornerickson. <laughs> Uh, top scorer that season was Thierry Henry with 24 just ahead of Hasselbank Van Nistelrooy and Shearer on 23 and we always say goodbye to someone at each episode if I remember and this one is Matt Letizia who retired mm. from Southampton and football and public life I believe <laughs> no one knows where he is now never been seen since so he's very often referred to as um, the J.D. Salinger of British oh, public so. life very much so so that's 2001-2002 I've enjoyed that have you enjoyed it Sam? I've loved it mate brilliant let's come back again and do another one soon but wait what? did West Ham get relegated? no not this season oh. alright oh, did so- I, t- I didn't see it went down Leicester, Derby and Ipswich oh, there yeah. you go alright see you next Love time it. listeners here we go here we go Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it! Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.